Hi, I'm Mario Evan, and you're listening to Talk Trot, a weekly inspired podcast discussing the things that most people are afraid to, but from a Jamaican perspective. From relationships, sex and sexuality, to the ins and outs of entrepreneurship, in this space we speak about almost anything with the intention to inspire, educate, entertain, and create a fair and balanced space where your truth shall become your power and set you free. My people, can I tell you, it's episode number eight. And every time I do an episode count, I'm like, yo, brother, you reach number eight, you know, eight consecutive and consistent Sundays. And you know that it's not always easy to generate the content, but it really has been such a joy to do this podcast that I look forward to coming here every week. And this week, we start touching on the topic of mental health. And I have a friend who's going to speak about the mind-body connection, but not just for everybody, but for her unique and special journey. So as you listen to the podcast today, I want you to listen with a great deal of sensitivity and respect for someone who is being brave enough to share their story and what they had gone gone through but before we talk some truth i want to do a few reviews and these are not off itunes but i decided to grab something off of twitter i have a comment from my friend tony who is i am don juan and he said at mario evan just finished listen to episode number seven of at talk truth ja the program shot each week i anticipate learning and reflecting on the topics i appreciate the relevance of this program the topic selections are on point as well talk truth Welcome to episode number eight of Talk Truth. I'm so happy to be here again on another Sunday. And I have with me a wonderful friend who's going to talk to me about her journey with her body and pretty much the mind-body connection and various things that she went through. I mean, so many of us go through either body shaming or just different perspectives on how we look. And it's a bigger deal than many of us think. So I have with me nairi cook hey and um i'm going to let her introduce herself as i make all my guests it do um nairi hi who are you hi i'm nairi i am a let's see fitness enthusiast um book nerd um mama's little girl <laughs> so i'm so corny i don't know who am i i am a person who is constantly evolving, constantly changing, constantly trying to find myself, trying to be happy. Right. And I guess that's all of our journeys, right? I would hope so. I would hope so, right? But maybe some people don't evolve at all. Which would be unfortunate. All right. Let us go into the meat of the matter. I mean, you spoke to me about being passionate about the mind-body connection. Mm -hmm. So what I want to start, what were you like growing up as a child in terms of physical how would you describe yourself growing up as a little girl i was probably smaller than some i was short still i'm short no but i was referred to as the one with the big bottom ah. so i got that typical jamaican y- y- there's a body part of your body that gets described so it's your big eyes it's the, li- the one with the little bottom or the one with the big bottom in my case so i was never conscious of my body but i was conscious of the fact that i had a big bottom even though I didn't necessarily know what that what meant. It meant at, about what age were you at that time? I distinctly remember being in prep school and going to my prep school barbecue 
and walking through the crowd and having a group of I'm assuming older ladies said one in the the one in the little dress the one with the big bottle <laughs> I'm like who me have a big bottle well at least you know you're Jamaican because I mean hey that could be a great thing well I don't know if at that age if it was a great thing for you at that age I don't think any of us really want to be noticed Exactly, in that way exactly exactly because nobody else really has a big bottom or not too many girls had a big bottom right i mean this is me at maybe eight nine yeah so that's kind of almost pre-puberty ish a couple years mm-hmm. so you were a little off the mark but it's a it's a jamaican thing it's a caribbean thing right all right so fine you knew yourself as the girl with the big bottom what about how would you say when you started to become a little bit older what was your perception of of beauty what to you was beauty as a young girl boy that's hard to answer because i don't know if i ever looked at myself and thought as a teenager or prepubescent gee you're beautiful but i don't remember thinking you're not beautiful either i was just me right i think for a lot of girls myself the notions of beauty and body didn't really roll around until they started noticing boys or until boys started noticing you and what was cute to a boy and did you possess any of those things that made you cute or didn't make you cute? I like that perspective. You say it wasn't so much a personal thing. All right. So around what age you felt like that happened for you? I probably would have been like 16, the latter half of high school when the girls' flexes started to include boys. Right. Or your girlfriend started to have boyfriends. Right. So you were probably like fifth, sixth form, maybe somewhere 15, around there. 15, 15, 16-ish. Hmm. Very interesting. And all right, before we get to that, what would you say about family? And I mean, I'm guessing we're getting to a point where you were maybe less comfortable with your body for some reason or another. So I'm kind of like building, ramping mm. up to where I guess maybe you had some kind of construct of what you thought you should have looked like, but you probably weren't looking like that in your mind, I'm gathering. But before we get there, in terms of family, anybody in the family made you feel any specific way about your body? So the people were saying you have a big bottom. I mean, my family might have mentioned it, but it was more about the fact that I have big eyes. Right, right, right. So and they weren't focusing on the bottom. Oh, no. is What books have you read today? Did <laughs> you study? That's what it, my family was talking about. Right. So we're in high school now, and pretty much boys are looking at you. Where is this moving body-wise? You're still comfortable with yourself? I think I'm still comfortable with myself because for me, I was... I'm a book nerd, still I'm a book nerd. I was never super physical, so I didn't do sports. That was never really my thing. Mm-hmm. But when you're 16, your metabolism is firing. You can eat two pate every day and a box juice and you don't gain a pound. That changes as you get a little bit older. And All right, so a little bit more sedentary. <laughs> and that as well, right? All right, so we're 16. What do you think of your body now? Um... I think it's average, but part of the thing is, as a 16-year-old girl in Jamaica, you are also in a uniform every day. Right. So there's not much opportunity for you to see your body or to notice other people's bodies unless there's something extreme. Your typical high school uniform is a mumu. Right, like type, a, a mumu. A mumu t- type style. It's pretty sexy. depending on what you like or a skirt with a blouse and a tie right the skirt is passing in most instances and i mean i remember campaign you say girls you need to wear an a-line skirt the skirts had to be you had to wear your slip and the slip had to be x amount of inches from the hem of your skirt Mm -hmm. at what point did you start to socialize in a way 
where maybe boys were more involved or you started to become more conscious of your body and i guess maybe beach parties or even partying in general are wearing clothes that was more revealing i want to say that was ua because the freshman 15 is real right I- including in jamaica yeah you everything's a u.s thing that no you eat enough hall food <laughs> you, you eat enough kiosk food right all of a sudden you're like hold on the pants are a little tighter. Right. The shirt is a little more snug <laughs> than you're used to. All of us, and you're like, "What is going on here?" So you started to gain some weight at the at the university level. I would say at university level, I went from being a more of a stick with a bottom mm-hmm. to a body with a bottom to a full figured woman. Okay, let's go there. All right. Is it me? Is that me being generous? I would say full figured, but I don't know if I love the term full figured. And why not? What, how do you feel about full figure? But what is the, the flip side of that coin? If you're not full, you're what? Well, this is the thing now, and this is where we're coming to all these body definitions, you know? Because then you know what is plus size, what is voluptuous, what is fat, and then everybody now has a definition for each variation of it. What is fluffy? <laughs> what is thick? What is thick? And I mean, what I get from some of them to probably even make it a little broad is that I think. Some look at somebody fat as like someone without any shape at all. So they don't have a waist. They just have a lot of body fat versus maybe a shapelier person who is bigger. So then a lot of that is part of the differentiation is what I garner from a lot of how people try to separate them, mm-hmm. which is interesting. But I think for me where it changed was when my physical body or how I saw my physical body represented how happy I felt as a human being. All right, tell me a bit more about about that. I honestly can't pinpoint a day or a time or a situation where that changed. Where it changed, right? But suddenly my body and how it looked Mm -hmm. became very linked to how happy I felt. So I am like a lot of women out there where we did the diets, where we did the extreme exercising, we did... I remember the Atkins years, right. which was in the mid-2000s. I remember going to the gym five days a week, working out two hours a day, doing two back-to-back step classes. And then you drop down to, I think the smallest I've ever been as an adult is like 130 pounds. Right. 130 pounds on me looks hungry. But I can remember looking at myself in the mirror at 130 and being like, oh my God, I need lose five more pounds just five more pounds but i can remember being at a beach party and having a friend of blessed memory come up to me just randomly and say now it's time to stop interesting so you think you were going so hard that you even kind of lost a true vision of what you it's I, it became addictive yeah and i think part of it honestly is body dysmorphia right because i have the pictures you can see my spine you can see my ribs and you could not have told me no i was fat and you needed to lose five more pounds. I needed to lose five more pounds. And until I lost those five more pounds, I wasn't going to be happy. What do you think may have been driving it at that time? You think it was um, kind of a perception of seeing other people, external things influencing it? Or, or was it more internal or a combination? I want to say for me, it's probably more internal. Mm-hmm. And thinking that the external would change my internal. Right. And that the five extra pounds would be, okay, my body looks great now, so ergo, I'm happy. And that would make you happy as a person. Would it also change things that happened in your world as well? You felt like being slimmer would have made you more attractive to people or being cooler? Slim, or Being slimmer would make you more attractive. 
you have everybody goes through the hard breakups and after the hard breakups you're like okay what can i change right. about myself is it going to be my hair is it going to be my weight am i going to dress a little differently what what new thing can i do to i guess rev yourself up to get out there to again get out of there, there again how would you say the people around you and um played a part and by that i mean how the people around you looked so you know your other friends around you their body types what what i don't know I, you know what i mean i really want trying to see like what the company you kept if that also had any bearing on what was normal for you or should have been normal for you i do think so because if you look at one of my closest friends we've been best friends for 20 some odd years now she's tall she's thin she's gorgeous but she's a yoga instructor right so that's what her body does but i can remember there was a time when both of us were in the gym lifting weights and going hard because you needed to have whether it was that six pack or the definition or whatever right so both of you had similar goals in terms of getting better bodies mm -hmm. but you never felt threatened by her body oh God, type no. being different from your oh God, body no. type mm -mm. Well, that's a good thing, though, because a lot of this seems to, in your particular story, seems to be uh, inter a personal battle that it you had no, with yourself. No, definitely. It was always mm. about me. It was never about the people around me making me feel insecure or pushing me to look a certain way. That was definitely all me. Well, that makes your story even more unique because I feel like a lot of what is projected in the media is really a lot of people who want to look good because other people look good mm -hmm. or because their friends look good or because celebrities look good and so part of what happens now is you see the quote-unquote look good and you think once i get the look i'll get the lifestyle right or i'll get they look happy on instagram right. so if i have the body well why not me too very interesting so all right so you said there was a switch between body and happiness you would say that maybe you were in your 20s what decade do you remember being in I know. I mean, hey, we're that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Let's change this question. Wow. <laughs> I mean, you're only like in your 30s, so that means you only have your teens and your 20s. <laughs> I'm not ashamed of my age, sir. All right. So, all right. So, we can use the word decades then. Yes, we can use the word decades. I'm privileged for all of my 43 years. Wonderful. And you look wonderful for your 43 years. <laughs> Thank you. All right. So, you were probably, I'm, I'm going to guess you were probably in your 20s when it started. Uh -huh. Yeah, I would say I was in my twenties when it really started to manifest in what I now look back and think of as a negative way. Right. Because I am pushing so hard, I am doing things that my body does not really want to do. You as a doctor would know mm -hmm. you have the BMI index right. and whatever. My body at five, three and a half does not want to be a hundred and thirty pounds. For me to maintain a hundred and thirty pounds, I must eat like a bird. And I must do a ridiculous amount of, of cardio, cardio to stay that size. To stay that size. It's not just about what I eat. But, that, but at that point, you wouldn't have wrapped your head fully around oh that, God, right? You were just pushing down. to try and get it done. You're just pushing to try and get it done. And if I need to eat lettuce and chicken all day, every day, happen, yeah. I'm going to eat lettuce and chicken. And then I'm going to do two hours of cardio. Well, you made a good segue into family body types. If you were to describe your family what type of body types do they have like you know a lot of people will say genetically they're inclined to be this way <laughs> well my mom is short my mom is maybe five foot mm -hmm. and maybe a hundred pounds soaking wet <laughs> so she's as slim as she's a tiny little thing i mean maybe when she was younger i guess as you age you probably get a little smaller right 
but I would say I probably I have my mom's body type. We're both petite-ish. I would be more full of figure than my mother. Right. She, does she have the big bottom? No. No. Right. So that was in the genetics. That was somewhere way down in the back. Way down in the back, and it came down <laughs> to you. It skipped. It skipped the generation. Yeah, I got the throwback booty. <laughs> throwback booty. All right. So. When did your fitness journey actually begin? So you said you weren't really into sports when you were younger. You oh used God, to be yeah. a bookworm. So a lot of the working out started when you were trying and to just get... It was gym. It gym. was regular gym and classes and mm-hmm. whatever. But it was gym about creating a particular body type, which yeah. is not the mindset that I have now. What were you trying to create then? If you could describe it and put it into words. I was trying to be... I don't even want to say slim because it wasn't slim. I was trying to create happy in a physical form. Right. I don't know how better to explain it to somebody. But it but was smaller. It was much sure. smaller. Mm-hmm. Much, much smaller. Right. You couldn't probably say it was a broad shoulders mm-hmm. or like a narrow waist. Because it was never about getting to a weight. Because I'd hit a goal, you hit 130 and then you say, all right, five more pounds. You wanted more. Mm-hmm. And this is why you are referring to it as body dysmorphism but do you really think it was body dysmorphism and was it was it fa- formally ever diagnosed as that or you kind of feel like this was really just what it was it never formally diagnosed but that's what i think it was right right when you look in the mirror and you see what really isn't there right at five three and a half 130 pounds is not fat no, not by any not, definition not fat at all but you couldn't tell me that i wasn't fat what do you think caused you to snap out of it? Um, a couple of different things. I have had, um, what is the best way to put it? I have struggled with depression and anxiety. Mm-hmm. And I think when I got serious about treating my depression and treating my anxiety and being introspective about myself as a whole person, right. my connection to my body changed. So it wasn't about a weight. It became about a feeling. Yeah. All right. I'm going to take you into a place that is not a happy place. But um, I know your father passed. God mm-hmm. rest his soul. Mm-hmm. And it was a difficult time for you, right? Horrible. Um, were you struggling with depression prior to his passing? Separate and apart. Or most was most of your depression tied to his passing? I would say probably I was struggling before, but struggling and coping. Right. Functional. I was high functioning. Mm -hmm. I think when my dad died and my dad died unexpectedly, it threw me completely for a loop. Yeah. So you function, function, function. The funeral is over and you're like, okay, what now? Blank. Complete blank. Mm -hmm. You were working? I was working and you're functioning, but... But you're not here. You're not there. Yeah. You're not connected. You're not connected to your friends. I thought I was high functioning after. But when you talk to people who are super close to me, they would say, you, you were, just, you yeah. weren't there. You, zomb- you zombied out. The light in your eyes was completely gone. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, I can go home and cry for two hours and nobody will notice. I will have the crippling anxiety where your heart is racing. You can't sleep. You can't move. But I'll get over it and no one will notice. What but year was this? My dad died seven years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Which in the scheme of things is still recent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it it stayed like that for, I want to say, a couple of years. Yeah. And then I'm forever grateful for the family that I have, for the friends that I have who 
got to a point where they said, okay, no. Things started to happen. Things started to fall apart. And I can remember a conversation with my brother where he basically said, you need to deal with this. This is foolishness. Yeah. And I called a psychiatrist and I made an appointment because for me, I had hit my bottom. I felt ugly. And you feel like there was nowhere else to go below that? No, there wasn't anywhere else. And I felt physically ugly. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it may not have been a reflection what was of what was in the mirror, but it was the feeling of, I don't like myself. But I don't was, feel good in my body. Was physical ugliness similar to that body dysmorphism feeling of needing to lose five more pounds? Or were these like two separate kind of feelings? This was a different kind of feeling? This was a different kind of feeling, but it was attached to... During depression, I wasn't in the gym. I wasn't eating properly. I wasn't spending a lot of time on myself. You might work out here and there, but it's like, all right, yeah, go work out for now and right. then go home and eat whatever is in the fridge or whatever. Not motivated. You're not motivated. You're doing it to go through the motions through the almost. Emotions, yeah. But there wasn't any results behind it. And you're frustrating yourself because you're half doing it and then you're wondering why you feel... Ugh. Wow. All right. Well, tell me about coming out of it because you decided to seek help, which was, and you, you were encouraged to, and you, I guess you knew it was time as well. I knew it was time, and I think I walked into it with an open mind because I don't know how widely therapy is accepted, just yeah. generally, as in something that you need to do. Worse in our culture. For yourself. Mm-hmm. Not that you have a mental problem whether you want to style depression as a mental illness, which I think it is. It is, it is. It absolutely is. In its many forms. Right. But I decided I needed to get better for myself. Mm-hmm. I needed to do something for me. And after I started going to therapy, started working on myself, freely admit that I had to be put on medication to help me deal with myself. And there's nothing wrong with that because I needed to do that mm-hmm. to manage all my emotions, all my anxiety, right. all my issues, and accepting that this is what I needed to do in this moment, in this time, to get better. So now that you're starting to feel a little bit more mentally coherent almost, a right. little bit more focused, and you're like, all right, what can I do to feel physically better? Because it's one of the things that we discussed in therapy. You need to be active. So you, you had um, two components to your therapy. You had, a, you had a psychiatrist who also doubled as your therapist or your psychiatrist did your medical prescriptions and you had a counseling psychologist uh, separately. Psychiatrist who did both. Okay, yeah, psychiatrist so functioning as both. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you would definitely say that people who are suffering from any kind of mental health, that it was beneficial for you specifically. It was beneficial for me specifically, and I would say to anyone you don't have to feel like you're super depressed. You don't have to WebMD your own diagnosis to say, you know what, let me talk to somebody today. Yeah. Let me just bounce something off of somebody who is like totally outside of your circle, who is totally objective, who can who can say the harsh things to you or the hard things to you, or can just be a listening ear. It's not, it's not easy for all of us just to open up. Yeah, and a Even, lot of times they are just listening. Exactly, and even though it might be your closest friend in the world, sometimes there are some things you just can't say. Yeah, either for whatever fear, embarrassment, and sometimes close friends just have too much perspective. Mm-hmm. 
So, you know, they can be as objective as you like them to be. Mm-hmm. Wow. I like where this went, Nari. Because <laughs> this, this, when I came into this part, this episode, I really, I thought it was one of those, you know, I was um, struggling with being fat because everybody was slim. But mm-hmm. really, this was, I was unhappy and it was tied to my body in an interesting way. Mm-hmm. And um, becoming smaller for you was your supposed path to happiness. But really, there was no happiness there because it wasn't really about becoming smaller. Because you got smaller, but you just you didn't never get got happy. You never got happy and you couldn't <laughs> understand. It's like, all right, maybe the happiness in, is in the extra five pounds. Right. And if I lose the extra five, that's where it's going to start kicking in. Right. Wow. And um, well, I, I was going to ask you about body shaming, but... I, I wanted to talk about it because just because that in your specific journey, body shaming wasn't really a feature of your of your journey per se. No, but one of the things when I think about body shaming and how we body shame in Jamaica and in the broader diaspora, it is one of the things that irks my soul deeply. When you see somebody, Lord, you get fatty. Yeah. I it drives me wild and i find it is very common i mean i think it happens all over the world but in black okay. black cultures i find particularly love and to in it. my mind i'm like why would why the body comment at all why at all you don't know is this person ill have they had an accident is there it can be thyroid it can be fibroids it can be any manner of things but i don't know when we decided that scene boy you fatty or boy you look like you get fatty became yeah. hey how you doing yeah N- no no it, it's not it, appropriate world if you're listening <laughs> please, please stop stop it immediately <laughs> world, please stop no world. no that's that's not how you want to greet a friend and i'm sorry you are going to get the venom if you greet me like that i refuse to stand for it now yeah no i i drop the venom sometimes it's ironic because i actually get the reverse of the that body shaming i get i get the skinny shaming because i've had Which episodes is, but, where but, people come and they see me working out and they see me pushing hard in the gym and trying my best to create it the is. physique i like and then they see one half of my body which is smaller and then they automatically make the assumption that you're not working legs enough you need to do an extra leg day and oh um and comment on it in public in public but spaces uh, our social media spaces and it's a bit sad because you know what you're putting in and you know how, how hard you're working but you have to love yourself and be comfortable so you know i'm at a point now where i'm unaffected but i can see how it can affect somebody and especially when it comes from a stranger somebody who doesn't know you who doesn't know your story who doesn't know your journey that's not what it is what you say to somebody how about looking somebody in the eye and saying hi how are you yeah that yeah. simple you can stop right there yeah how much does it mean to you to be an advocate for mental health given the things that you've gone through in the past couple of years? I tell anyone and everybody, and I will shout it from the countertops, we all need help. Yeah. And there is no shame in asking for that help. And for some of us, for a lot of us, the professional help is really the way to go. Well, I've been, I've been wanting to go to a counseling psychologist recently, something that I haven't done as yet. And I think it's the same Caribbean fear of kind of opening up to someone who is in a small culture, someone who who I'm going to have to really trust that they're going to be confidential, even though at the core of it, I feel like they're a good person. But, you know, just as you're opening up in front of me, you know, you've known me for a while and we've never shared this kind mm-hmm. of information, but you're now sharing it with so many others. And, and you see the power in that. 
But it's a, it's a little, it's a scary thing for go sit down and tell somebody. It's, it's, it's scary to show somebody you're ugly. Yeah, it is. And but you feel like they're going to judge you for it, but they, they may not. And they may. And sometimes, and like okay. I said, it's, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes you need to hear the hard thing. Yeah. So I will say one of the things I struggled with after my dad passed is we had a difficult relationship and there were things that I will that I wanted to say that I never said. And my therapist said, you're never going to get that chance. And maybe and, a lot of and the you emotions just have to, you were feeling were tied it, into feeling guilty. It, about not you're never speaking. going to get that chance and you're going to have to be okay with that. Yeah. There are questions that you will never have answers to and that just has to be okay it doesn't mean you are less of a person it doesn't mean you loved him any less it doesn't change the journey or the experience but it has to be okay where it is because you're just not going to have that conversation in this life no and you are going to drive yourself crazy having the conversation in your head because the answers you're giving are the answers you're giving yourself absolutely right oh wow all right tell me a bit about where where are you now? Where are you now with fitness? Where are you now with diet? Where are you now with mental health and your body image? Where am I now? Well, I have been doing CrossFit for, I want to say, maybe a little over two years or more. And one of the things that I love about CrossFit for me, a lot of people will tell you CrossFit is a cult, which it's not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a cult of squats and um, clean and press. No. <laughs> so much more than that. It's more than that, but for me, it is community yeah and i encourage anybody to come and try but one of the things i've said to the guys that i work out with is that i appreciate the fact that they are always there for me i've never felt alone in a workout i've never felt like somebody wasn't supporting me you literally have people screaming across the room no you can do it you can do it go 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 and i do that for people as well so it doesn't matter that i'm doing the workout at 50 pounds and somebody's doing the workout at 150 pounds. You're just doing the workout. We're both still doing the workout. And yeah. the person doing 150 is cheering for my success. And me at 50 is cheering for their success. It's like workout therapy. It is. Really life. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, we all work hard. Most of us work very hard. We have demanding lives, demanding jobs. And I choose to take that one hour for me. Yeah. I can plug out from any meeting, any work stress, any personal stress. And that physicality is awesome. And I know you've done a gamut of workouts. So of all the things that you've done, you'd say this is where you are currently most comfortable. It's currently where I'm most comfortable. And it's funny, I was working out today and my coach was looking at my squat and he was saying, you remember where you started? My original squat looked more like a curtsy (laughs) (laughs) because it just, it was horrible. But I've changed so much in the past two years. And he's like, I'm so proud of you. Yeah. And like literal chest swell up instantly. But you physically changed too. I've known you for a while and you look different as well. Because the thing is, it's not that the anxiety and it's not that depression is gone. But this is what I need to do to help myself get by. And maybe your happiness is shining through this body as well too. It could be a bit of both, you know. And the thing is, at at 130 pounds, which is my smallest, Mm -hmm. I couldn't run a mile. I couldn't deadlift 230 pounds. I couldn't squat 160 pounds, no. You were slim and non-functional. I was, I was <laughs> slim and unfit. Right. <laughs> That's the reality. I wasn't fit at all. Which is good for some people, but yeah. But no, my goal is to be strong. Yeah. And that strength is mental and physical. So right. I want to be able to run a mile without stopping. 
I want to deadlift 130 pounds. I want to squat 160 pounds and more. And I want to push myself to do more. So the joy is in the achievement of those goals. It's not stepping on a scale and being like, oh, look, I'm down to whatever. And it's not yet you do step on a scale. Right, you do. And you do have PRs in, in the CrossFit. But they are PRs. They are yours. They're mine. They're personal record. Personal. Yeah. yeah. They're my personal records. Right. So It's not comparative. No, it's I'm not. sure some people do look at other people's things, but at the same time, that's... You. But where I am now, right. I'm not looking at my my neighbor in the box and saying, ooh, they're smaller than me, or ooh, they're lifting more weight than me. I'm like, you get it. Right. You lift if them. If you did 300 last week, you're looking at your 305 <laughs> or your 310, right? Yes, mm. and I'm cheering for them. I want them to do well. Right. Wow, wow, wow. All right, so I'm going to just give you my, I guess my, my last, I guess two questions. I want to open up the floor to you. I see now that you've taken me in this direction that I didn't even know I was going to be taken in. Is there anything else that you'd want to share with our listeners about mental health and your body journey, the mind-body connection, anything at all, actually? I think one of the things I try to remind myself every day is that perfect is not real. Yeah be happy and present in the here and in the now set a goal for today so if that goal is just to get up and go to the gym for hour, if i've done that fine some days it's just about making it through the day and that's okay yeah so we need to just be okay <laughs> With no. a lot of, yeah i mean not just okay but we need to realize that it is okay it is okay. To just make it through the day. And for anybody who is struggling with anxiety, depression, whatever it is, make a call, check our website. Ask a friend if they know a friend. Ask a friend of a friend. Yeah. It's, there really is no shame in asking for help. And there are a lot more resources now than there were many years ago. Oh, for sure, for yeah, sure. Man. And lots of young people too. I mean, it doesn't even have to be. Some people are afraid to go to, to re- into religious spaces. So I know Family Life Ministries is awesome. And I know a lot of people go there. But there are actually a lot of other young um, counseling psychologists, yes. clinical psychologists who are great. And it may not have a religious basis if that is a fear. I'm not religious people. at all. I so was going to ask you that I'm question. Was there any kind of spiritual religious support or tie-in to, to the I am not transition? Re- I'm not religious I believe in spirit. Mm-hmm. I believe in the divine. I believe in greater than myself and of myself. What that is, I'm still trying to work that out. Right. So that wasn't part of my journey. But for somebody, maybe that needs to be part of your journey. Right. Maybe you are rooted in that spiritual side and that is where you will find your help. Yeah. What's next on the journey? <sighs> Oh, gosh. CrossFit 5.0. <laughs> more fitness, more happiness, more being Nairi. More being you. Mm-hmm. And would you say that you, where are you on a self-love scale right now? 10 being the highest. Oh, gosh. I don't even know if I put it on a scale. Every day is different. I love that. Every day is different because some days, I'm sure guys do this as well. You wake up in the morning, you get ready and you're like, blah, 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 look good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't ever say it that way, but I think sometimes or, I do feel like or yo. some, sometimes you look in the mirror and you flex a little differently. Sometimes, sometimes yeah, some days you feel good. Sometimes you yeah, and then some you days they're like, like you know, all right, I go, I go have to plot it through and make it out. But yeah, every day is different. 
that's what I love about the beauty of a question, you know, that um, I could tell you to put something on one to ten and you could tell me I don't see it as a scale. But that's the beauty of life, right? Yes, it is. You answer it the way you see it. Exactly. Which I hope more people will do in life too, you know, but that's a whole nother podcast because, you know, we need, to be, we need to be discerning enough. But it does show a great deal of self-awareness mm-hmm. to be able to know that this is not how you want to grade it. But no. this is where you are now. Because the grading locks you in from mm. me. So I don't want to do that to myself. I don't want to constrain myself to saying, all right, today's an eight and, and tomorrow's a seven. No, today I feel good. Yeah. Feeling good today and feeling good tomorrow is, could be completely different, but it's the same feel good. I love it. Um, Nairi, thank you for coming here and talking the truth. You are so welcome. I mean, I, I mean, we always do this in these spaces, but... I don't know if people who are listening admire or appreciate sometimes the bravery of people to share. And as we sit down here in our room, it's just the two of us. Mm-hmm. But, you know, somebody's mm-hmm. in their bedroom listening to this on their headphones and um, receiving it. And Maybe like, it might be that push. Maybe that, that push needs. to go get some help. Eh? Yeah. And that's exactly what we want. Yes. To touch somebody else. That's correct. You just listened to episode number eight of Talk Truth. And again, we love the support. It's been eight weeks and you've been here right throughout the journey. And as usual, I ask you to follow us on Twitter at TalkTruthJA and follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Mario Evan. Subscribe, follow and like the podcast anywhere that you listen to your podcast. And when you share, take a screenshot, steal a quote and use the hashtags TalkTruthJA or MeTalkTruth, right? Feel free to have a conversation under the picture on the IG page and you can find all episodes at TalkTruthJA.com and feel free, shoot me an email if you want, send me something direct and personal at TalkTruthJA at gmail.com and of course if you love what you're hearing, we want you to go over to iTunes and give us a star rating and also a text review so I can read them on the show and you know at least we know if you're really enjoying what's going on. Boy, my name is Mario Evan, as you know, and you've been listening to Talk Truth. Yeah, that's our one different pronunciation. A place where your truth shall become your power and set you free. Until next Sunday, stay blessed. <laughs>